Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, so, whenever I talk about COVID, the emails begin. All I have to say is COVID, and the emails begin. It suggests something. Listen. There's a lot to be, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be heard. And there are some tremendously gifted and educated and experienced people in this country who have a lot to say about it and who know about it. And one of those people joins me now, and we're going to be speaking with, for the next uh, 20 minutes, with Dr. Joseph Blondo, clinical microbiologist and head of clinical microbiology at Saskatoon's Royal University Hospital and the University of Saskatchewan. Dr. Blondo is a globally respected leader in microbiology and has published in excess of 160 peer-reviewed manuscripts. He also is a recent recipient of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee Medal. Dr. Blondo, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, congratulations to you on receiving the uh, Platinum Jubilee Medal. Well, thank you very much, Roy. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be back on the show with you, and and thank you very much for mentioning about the medal. It was uh, uh, a shock to me to have been notified and a very humbling experience to have received it. So thank you. Well, you've done a, a tremendous job in, in informing Canadians about COVID throughout our experience with this virus, which just doesn't seem to want to go away. And apparently it's not going to go away for some considerable period of time. And one of the questions we're asking ourselves, and I'll ask you this shortly, is whether this is the time to declare it endemic as to continuing with a national emergency uh, situation or definition of it. But let me begin by, uh, and, and we will, I want to let people know, we're going to be not only talking about COVID here. There are so-called superbugs, right? Superbugs. And they are resistant to antibiotics. And there's a tremendous use of antibiotics. Use it in uh, animals for, you know, that we eat. Um, people go to the doctor and just say, hey, I want antibiotics. The Be aware of this. England's chief public health officer has warned and this is her word now, of an apocalypse should superbugs largely negate antibiotics. And this is one of the areas as well that is a specialty of Dr. Blondo. Dr. Blondo, let's start there with, um, with, with COVID. What do we know about this most recent subvariant, XBB.1.5, and how does it differ from preceding variants? I understand you've had the first cases appear in, in your province in Saskatchewan. We have actually, and um, um, uh, XBB and then XBB 1.5 are, are yet sort of the latest in the Omicron variants uh, that have emerged. Um, XBB, at least at this point in time, the thinking is that that this may have arisen in the in the northeastern part of the United States, uh, and certainly um, uh, XBB is accounting and, and 1.5 is accounting for. Uh, um, the increase in the number of cases that's seen in the U.S. Northeast and along the Atlantic seaboard, and whether or not it will continue to spread westward, uh, and in the the numbers that we currently see, uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, but what seems to be different about uh, uh, these new variants is that uh, they they seem to be more infectious. Uh, they seem to have a an uh, we, we need to understand that when we get infected uh, with a virus, um, the virus needs to bind to something in order to initiate the infectious process, and, and that's called a receptor. And we know that uh, through the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, 
there are certain receptors that are part of the respiratory tract that were important for the virus to attach to to initiate this infectious process. And over the uh, over the, the years of the pandemic, where we saw the original COVID strain and then uh, the various um, variants that have emerged, what we've tended to see is we've, we've seen the virus lose some of its virulence, but it has picked up the ability to be more readily transmissible. You may recall, uh, Roy, uh, in some of the earlier interviews, we talked about this uh, transmissibility factor called an R0. And an R0 is uh, an epidemiological term which refers to the likelihood of one person infecting another one or another person or one person infecting two or three or four other people. And, and so with the, with the variants, we've seen viruses which seem to be more transmissible but less uh, virulent. And in these uh, most recent variants, we've, there seems to be a better affinity for the receptor uh, that's present in the respiratory tract, which means that the likelihood of infection is higher. Now, the good part of this uh, uh, equation, if there is a good part, is that there's no real evidence at this point in time to suggest that it's more virulent than some of its uh, previous um, um, uh, subvariants that have occurred. Uh, which means that there's a higher likelihood you might become infected, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have more severe disease. But there's one more caveat there as well. As the number of people that are infected increase, a percentage of those individuals may require an elevated level of care, perhaps hospitalization. And I think we're seeing some of that. We're seeing an increase in hospitalizations, but we're not necessarily seeing as dramatic an increase in, in ICUs or mechanical ventilation. So in a long-winded answer, the answer is uh, more transmissibility and perhaps a greater affinity for the receptor in this respiratory tract. So what happens with the preceding uh, variants, the preceding mutations? They don't just go away, do they? No, but if they're out-competed, though, by a new variant, then, you know, for all intents and purposes, um, they will ultimately fade away, if not already, uh, just because they're being outcompeted by a much more transmissible okay. virus. Uh, how long they'll remain in circulation, I guess, remains to be seen. But, you know, when we look at data from Saskatchewan, for example, uh, we know that the, the BA5 uh, Omicron subvariant is still the dominant strain in this particular province, but we have seen XBB 1.5 show up towards uh, the latter part of December. Whether or not XBB 1.5 will replace a BA5, that, that remains to be seen, but it theoretically could. And then some of the other earlier variants uh, that uh, we were tracking and, and we still track, uh, we don't seem to see any activity of those whatsoever. So I, I, so I think that they ultimately will be replaced by more competitive strains. Okay. Uh, one question that's being asked, and particularly this time of year, is whether COVID has devolved into an endemic health threat from being a public health emergency. Has it, and, and how is such a determination made officially, particularly with the virus continuing to evolve and mutate? How do you decide that it's gone from public health emergency to endemic? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a, a really great question and one that's very, very difficult to answer. I think there are a number of variables that are taking into account, uh, including you know the remainder of the global population that are still at risk for infection, including the potential for hospitalization and death. And, and whether that percentage is significant enough uh, to keep this as, as a global pandemic. Uh, I, I agree with you, and I think a lot of my colleagues do as well. We are in a period where this is more endemic uh, than, than perhaps uh, the designation of pandemic. 
And when the World Health Organization will decide to make this um, a decision, you know, to talk about it in terms of endemicity versus a, a pandemic, I think that's anybody's guess. And I certainly know, don't know the answer to that. But, but what does appear to be the case is that uh, I think the immunization program including any new variations of the immunizations that may come in the future, uh, will, I think, remain with us for a period of time. Uh, and and if you look at the national Canadian data, and I would encourage all Canadians to just go on to the Government of Canada website and look this up for yourself, the, the data is really compelling, showing that if you're immunized and have had booster doses, your likelihood of being hospitalized or, or uh, your likelihood of being admitted to the intensive care unit or requiring a mechanical ventilation is substantially less than those individuals that are unvaccinated or those individuals that have only had their primary, that's their first two uh, doses and not had any subsequent booster shots. So, so I think with this virus, there's every bit of a reason to continue to show up to get your booster shots and immunization uh, in order to protect you from uh, requiring elevated levels of care, including hospitalization in the intensive care unit. What you just described and explained as far as the need to continue with the vaccinations and the and the booster shots, there are so many people who will be sending me emails and, 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 and contacting me on social media saying, that's just nonsense, it's not true, it's, it's all, you know, you've heard all the arguments that it doesn't work, they don't work, they, people become ill, people become sick, people die from the vaccinations and the booster shots. What's the, what do you say to that? Look, the, the the severe complications associated with immunization are indeed very, very rare. And 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 certainly I don't want to belittle, you know, the importance of those individuals that have had a severe reaction. But the vaccine program, whether you're talking about COVID or other vaccines, has been extremely successful. Um, and, you know, we need to differentiate between vaccinated and getting infected but with a mild infection like a, a cold-like uh, disease versus being infected and requiring hospitalization. And and the the, the data is overwhelmingly in favor of, of protecting you from requiring hospitalization. Okay. okay. Dr. Blondeau, I'm I'm reading something here that um ran in the UK. The chief medical officer for England, Dame Sally Evans, uh, writes that uh, antibiotics are losing their effectiveness at a rate that is both alarming and irreversible. And uh, similar to global warming, end quote, she told MPs to the House of Common Science and Technology Committee, this is from RT, it is clear that we might not ever see global warming. The apocalyptic scenario is that when I need a new hip in 20 years, I'll die from a routine infection because we've run out of antibiotics. So her concern is we may all suffer an antibiotic apocalypse long before global warming or climate change becomes the threat or the reality that the threat suggests. Uh, how, how serious is this? Well, it, it's really serious, but it's not new. Um, you know, I've been running around the world for the last number of years uh, talking of it. Prior to the COVID uh, pandemic, I've been talking about the global pandemic related to antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Um, and and so, like I said, it's not new. And uh, the World Health Organization has identified this as one of the greatest threats to human health uh, that we will face. Um, and some of the, the estimates are that approximately 700,000 patients a year will die currently because uh, they're infected with a drug-resistant organism. And the estimate is, is that if nothing changes by the year 2050, we could see as many as 10 million people a year die 
uh, as a result of a drug-resistant uh, uh, bacterial infection. Uh, and uh, this is not theoretical, uh, Roy. We see this every day in our own hospital, in other hospitals across the country. Uh, other countries in this world uh, have much higher rates of resistance uh, for some pathogens uh, than we have in Saskatchewan or we have in Canada. Um, and uh, in, in some instances, we simply uh, will test an organism and we don't have an antibiotic that will work. Uh, and so then we have to look to being creative to try and find maybe sometimes combinations of antibiotics that might work, but that type of testing is not easy and it's not standardized. Uh, but this is a reality. It's not a theoretical concern. And is this because we've become too complacent about the use of antibiotics? We use them for everything. I mean, I've talked to, to doctors who told me patients walk into their offices and the first thing they say is I need an antibiotic long before the doctor ever examines the patient. Yeah, there are a lot of patients who feel that uh, an antibiotic is the only thing that they need. And, and uh, a couple of points here that are worth uh, mentioning is, first of all, antibiotics don't work against viral infections. Uh, and so if you have uh, pharyngitis, so if you have a sore throat, uh, in most cases, it's most likely due to a viral infection um, and less likely to do, be due to a bacterial infection. But there are bacteria that cause uh, uh, pharyngitis. And we test for those, and it's a simple test. And you know, if it was positive, then it's up to a doc to decide whether they want to give an antibiotic. But oftentimes, patients feel that they're poorly doctored if they don't get an antibiotic, yet they are not realizing that by taking an antibiotic, particularly when they don't need it, it actually can be more harmful to them uh, than, than not taking the antibiotic. So these superbugs develop... Uh, because of the overuse of antibiotics and the bacteria learn, do I have this correctly? The bacteria learn how to adapt and overcome the uh, the antibiotics as COVID and, and other viruses learn to overcome, in many cases, what's placed in their way. Right. Well, I mean, just as we've talked with COVID over new variants that have arisen as a result of mutations or exchange of genetic material, the exact same thing happens in bacteria. Mm -hmm. uh, bacteria can mutate um, and uh, a mutation can affect the affinity of that antibiotic for the target within the bacterial cell. And bacteria can also acquire genetic material from another uh, species of bacteria. Uh, and that new genetic material could contain um, a gene which enables it to be resistant uh, to uh, a type of antibiotic. And, okay. and so similar to what we've seen with the COVID pandemic, uh, this was long before happening in patients with bacterial infections as well, uh, where we can, in fact, select for resistance, if you will, uh, by actually giving antibiotics. And for that reason, you know, antibiotics should only be used in those situations where it's deemed to be important. Um, and they should never be used in a situation where they're not likely to be helpful or, or in a situation right. where perhaps uh, somebody does not really require an antibiotic. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 